It's May 2nd, 2018, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. First, we've got Michael Sebaos here, and he's going to tell us about cakey coating and the upcoming Cultural Animation Film Festival. And then we'll talk to David I, the new Chief Innovation Officer at the University of Hawaii's Office of Technology Transfer. But again, let's welcome Michael here from Twiddle Productions, and uh, let's start with cakey coding. Now, we talk a lot about coding, and we love talking about cakey, so tell us about this particular program. Sure. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, so the uh, our, our cakey coding program is geared for um, students aged eight to twelve, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it's modularized. So we start off with um, a beginning class uh, using Scratch that is based around the stories of Maui, and then mm-hmm. once kids complete the assignments, they're able to create their own video games, and then um, when they come back, we put them onto a more advanced class. Uh, about menehune and where they get to learn about scrolling and how to connect a walk cycle with an idle cycle, kind of like the Mario uh, games. And, mm-hmm. and Scratch is a coding environment that will run on what kinds of platforms? Uh, any any computer. It's a free online. Um, it, it's a free online program that is designed by MIT, mm-hmm. and it is. Um, it's an incredible program. It's designed uh, with colored blocks, so each colored. Uh, has a different type of category of things to do. And when you connect the start button with the yellow button that's forever and you put a move 10 steps, then it'll forever keep your mm-hmm. character moving. So, it, And you take away the color and you got your code. Mm-hmm. So the kids are learning how to create uh, HTML, how to create the uh, video games, how to think uh, like a programmer. Using and these visual modular pieces. Absolutely. And then in addition to that, because uh, all of our... Um, program is built around the stories of Hawaii. Um, it's place-based. They're also learning about the stories of Hawaii. We're talking about the stories of Polynesia, and um, they're able to uh, play with uh, assets that we create for the program that you could only find with this program itself. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, Michael, so you're uh, basically <coughs> a, a animator yourself, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So all of the digital assets, you kind of help provide that to the students that they can mix and match and you know, create their own animations. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, it's myself uh, does, uh, I say, but majority of all the character work. And then um, uh, one of my uh, producing partners, Matt Ortiz from mm-hmm. Wooden Wave, he's part of this. And uh, we also have an amazing uh, curriculum designer uh, named Anna, um, Anna Leonid, who uh, is part of this. And uh, it's a really good team. So tell me more about how this program came together. I mean, certainly you're an animator by trade and by sure. passion. And I guess an opportunity came about to kind of infuse your own talents and interests. And certainly, as you said, place-based storytelling. Um, but how does that turn into a school? How does that turn into a program? Interesting enough, uh, it started when we did our film Misa, the Chamor Grossier's Guahan with the GDOE. We were talking about uh, doing a second film and then adding coding to that. And then, you know, for one reason or another, it just got delayed. About a year later, um, I did a class at UH Maui, and uh, I did the Maui program, which is the first one here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, from there, people started hearing about it, and we got into uh, after-school programs. Mm. Uh, We're doing some classes with the Lilia Kalani Trust this summer, uh, some boot camps. And more recently, Palama Settlement, which is offering free classes uh, throughout the summer. And uh, they're actually um, – their spots open now. So, so if somebody that, wanted to enroll in this cakey coding class, where would they go to find uh, that information? Palamasettlement.com. 
Uh, .org. <laughs> and so that first feature that you produced, it was about the Chamoran people. Yes, correct? yes. That was a, a legend about uh, the Chamorro, uh, uh, Chamorro legend, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, does the, in terms of Palama settlement, mm-hmm. uh, the students, the, what, what grade students do they have there? Um, it's, it's eight, it's seven, eight to 12. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, um, our first class that we're doing is ages seven to 12, but they are also doing another class in the summertime, which is Saturdays, um, and that is for middle schools. Um, but it's, it's all listed on, the, on their website. It's about a six-week course, uh, the, two times a week. Uh, I think the Saturday class is mm-hmm. just like three to five. So PalamasElement.org for the Keiki Coding class. But through Twiddle Productions, we also wanted to talk a little bit about your upcoming cultural yes. animation film festival. We had you on last year, I think. Was that how many times have you had this event? Uh, this is our second time. All right. So yeah. it's cap- happening again. So uh, I would imagine this is an event that's, in, again, in alignment with your own animation work. Yes, yes. And, and again, it all started with, with MISA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found that there was such an interest in cultural animation. Mm-hmm. And then I started connecting with other animators and with partners, uh, Dr. Mary Hattori. Uh, we're partnered mm-hmm. with uh, Center for Pacific Island Studies, James Viernes, of course, Taylor Chang at the Doris Duke uh, Theater. And um, last year was our pilot. And um, this year we have another 28 films wow. from all over the world. Um, longer films. Uh, last year we did like 40, but they were shorter. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have um, local animators here who, have, uh, who are students um, who are, are, are premiering their work. And um, it's just great. It's really exciting. We also are, have uh, comic book artists. And um, actually, Keiki Cody is also, also going to have a table at uh, Family Fun Sunday for the Bank of Hawaii. So, Michael, how do you go about curating for this festival? It's very good question. So last year, because it was the first, it was a lot of invited. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, we opened it up for submissions. And uh, we got a good amount of, of film submitted, but we still needed to reach out and, uh, and invite into the festival. We're hoping that if we do a third, and if there seems to be an interest for a third, that uh, the more the word gets out, that there is a place for uh, animators to show their work that don't normally have an opportunity to, that it'll bring more people in. So the first, the first uh, calf was primarily around sort of Pacific Island culture. And I'm mm-hmm. curious how you would, let's say, open it up to others and what to what extent does culture sort of include a variety of different right. submittals? Well, it, it is open to all cultures. It's not just Pacific mm-hmm. Island. Um, last year, there was uh, a lot of uh, uh, Pacific Island stories. This year, we're getting a lot of um, interesting stories that are a, a little, I won't say a little deeper, but they're a little more uh, heavy. We have um, some amazing films from the Ingenuity Project, which talks about the Native American um, uh, issues mm-hmm. in animation. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, some films that talk about, uh, there are Ghanan, about colonialism. We have some films about death. We have um, LGBT uh, films. Um, we have um, an amazing assortment of films for children, um, specifically for them, music uh, on the Sunday program, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of adventure too. So it's it's really it's a really broad, yeah, broad. broad yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. So the event runs from May eighteenth through the twentieth, with mm-hmm. as you mentioned Sunday the twentieth, which is the family film Sunday. Yes, for for whole families and for kids. If somebody wanted to take in some of these great animation uh, projects, uh, where can they go to find more information? So the the website for CAF is caf2018.twillproductions.com 
or you can go to the Honolulu Museum Art Doris Duke Theater. You go to the film event section, mm-hmm. and uh, tickets, I understand, are available now. That's honolulumuseum.org. Very good. We'll put that up on our show notes uh, for later on this evening. Thanks, Michael, for joining us. Thank you for having me. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by David I from the Office of Technology Transfer over at University of Hawaii. And we'll talk about something called High End. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Kani Kapila Sunday is my favorite program because it allows you to discover so much Hawaiian music. There's such great Hawaiian music coming out, and to be able to find out about the artists, listen to the songs, listen to a variety of music, is one of the most satisfying ways to spend a Sunday afternoon. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us is David I. David is the new Chief Innovation Officer over at the University of Hawaii's Office of Technology Transfer. One of his programs is called High End, or the Hawaii Entrepreneurial Network Developers, which supports entrepreneurship, innovation, and new venture initiatives. And of course, we'll find out about uh, High End and also some of the sort of new things that are happening at the Office of Technology Transfer. We want to welcome you, you to Bite Marks Cafe. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, David, I want to I, I didn't want to butcher your your uh background or your, you know, list of great things that you've done. So I've given you the opportunity to share what you have done over the course of let's say the last 10 years or so. Yeah, sure. Um over the over the last 10 years, I spent uh, 6 years helping uh, Stanford University's technology licensing office doing the same kind of work. And uh, in the immediate uh, past four years, I was recruited to uh, host, to uh, to uh, direct an office at the City University of Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So again, doing technology transfer, promoting knowledge sharing. And in terms of uh, the activities, I know Stanford, you know, that's in the hotbed of uh, Silicon Valley. But in Hong Kong, what was the sort of innovation culture in a place like Hong Kong? It's very interesting. There's a lot of uh, parallel uh, issues that you can see between Hong Kong and Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, Hong Kong's economy is really dominated by one or maybe two industries. One is uh, finance, international finance, and then the real estate. And uh, therefore, there's a lot of concern about how kids uh, going through their education system not being exposed to innovation and entrepreneurship or the STEM kind of uh, uh, technology education. So we've uh, been covering the Office of Technology Transfer at UH for the course of the show, how it's been evolving, the different challenges that are there, as well as the great opportunities. You come in, and you've only been on the job for six weeks. Is that correct? Correct. So certainly you might still need to learn all more and more about this program, but with your international perspective and the context that you just mentioned, um, where does the University of Hawaii fit in terms of that tier one university in terms of its potential in this space? Uh, University of Hawaii really is a major uh, contributor 
to the world's uh, collection of IP development, intellectual property development, or technology development, with a significant uh, funding as well as very vibrant research programs going on in several areas that are truly unparalleled uh, with uh, their competitors throughout the world. But at the same time, uh, we haven't really built a, a very strong culture connecting our academic research to the industry, to the actual users. Mm. And this is, a th- this is actually nobody's fault per se, but uh, this is really a function that needs to be uh, uh, assisted uh, by, shall we say, the entire village. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, that's a, a recognized challenge that I think uh, we've recognized for quite a while. And one of the things I'd, I'd like to hear your take on is that the, the research that's happening at the university is pretty advanced. They're, they're pretty cutting edge. And in order for that to be translated into uh, a startup business, and in Hawaii, the startup businesses need to be more, uh, I, I, I think they, they need to find business, they need to find companies, they need to find revenue sources. And I am wondering what, what the match is in terms of sort of this advanced IP and then trying to bootstrap it with startup businesses here in Hawaii? It's an excellent question. Uh, this is exactly where uh, my two different jobs uh, actually would be very, very interesting and challenging at the same time. Uh, in the area of technology transfer, you could probably think of it as uh, focusing on high-end research and trying to unleash that research power and try to connect that kind of research results to the industry. But you're absolutely right. From a user perspective, um, I I also came from Silicon Valley for more than 30 years uh, where I was a large company executive, startup uh, company CEO, and VC investor for six years. Um, I totally understand from the user's perspective, they would love to see low-hanging fruits, mm-hmm. things that can be readily turned into products and services. So this is not exactly what most of the research universities do very well. Um, even at Stanford University, um, when I was there, they had about, oh, uh, 7,000, 8,000 cases still sitting on the shelf. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the fact is the one, the, those cases that are successfully commercialized, they are always, always a very small minority of any major university. And, so, yeah. and I think a lot of times yeah. you'll hear just about the size of the institution, the bureaucracy in the institution, the inertia of an institution. We talked a few years ago with Dr. Angel Yanagihara mm-hmm. and her own challenges with her own trying to commercialize her own research that she had done at the University of Hawaii. But uh, we are seeing, obviously, this trend of trying to interact more with the community. About almost five years ago, there was uh, the founding of Accelerate UH, which was you know, some an opportunity to create more overlap between the startup community and the investor community and people that are affiliated with the university. Uh, you talked a little bit about the research side. What do you think about the, the business side, the startup side yeah. uh, here? Um, excellent. So on the research side, we're talking about probably focusing more on the high-end researchers. Mm-hmm. And occasionally, occasionally, uh, you will have some uh, really interesting results that uh, uh, render themselves very well uh, to immediate commercial applications. But those are rare. And uh, uh, you cannot also uh, very difficult to say that uh, to uh, decide 
in advance how they are going to come about. You know, innovations don't really happen in the very well pre-planned manner. So you're absolutely right. That is a challenge. However, looking at the innovation side, especially when you talk about startups, well,、uh, out of my six years of、uh, VC investment experience in Silicon Valley, guess what? There was not a single case where I invested where there was a very strong patent protection. So m- the fact is that most of the startup Companies got started not on some kind of a patent-pending technologies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.、Uh, and that is just a reality. And you don't really have to have them. It's always good to have some、uh, patent protection, but it's not a prerequisite. And therefore, what you look for is typically the real customer needs,、um, and that have not been adequately met by the competitors. And then you move in. You try to create the better mousetrap, if you will. The mousetrap may not be patentable, but you happen to know how to deliver at the right value at the right time. And that, in that regard, I think、uh, to try to uh, uh, encourage our students to not only have a mentality of innovation and entrepreneurship, but also to offer them the skill set. The learning experience、uh, when they are still on campus will be really crucial for us. So that is a, another part of my job. That's a、mm. chief innovation officer's、uh, position for the UH system. That's what we're trying to do. So before we talk about some of the you know some of the ideas that you have in terms of sparking innovation, I'm still curious about how. The research that you have access to, which I would envision as being fairly sort of niched and specialized,、uh, and how do you translate that into some obvious sort of low-hanging fruit? And how do you accelerate that process? And oftentimes, those companies that would perhaps be interested are located elsewhere. Right, they're not going to be、mm-hmm. Hawaii companies looking、Correct. at those kinds of、uh, solutions.、Mm-hmm. Right, they would be. So, how would you bridge that awareness?、Uh, very good.、Uh, indeed, a lot of times, even our own innovators can uh, uh, can completely overlook some of the lower hanging fruits because they're focusing on the ultimate. End result, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.、Uh, and along the way, they have actually invented some little things, and th- they think, "Oh, those are unimportant. Those are byproducts,、uh, not that useful." But in fact, if you talk to their、uh, collaborators or other researchers and read their papers, oftentimes they will get an email from somewhere in the world requesting them to help them. To produce one part of their research result, maybe、mm-hmm. not the main target, not their focus, not their focus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here's an, a, a very interesting example. For instance, I, I just uh, uh, came back from a meeting with the cancer center director、um, and his uh, uh, right hand guy.、Um, we were talking about the possibility of、uh, going through the cancer center to encourage the.、Um, Uh, principal investigators or main researchers to take a look at their research agents or、um, assays or cell lines or antibodies. A lot of them are just byproducts、mm-hmm. of their natural research process. But guess what? There are a lot of other researchers that would love to get their hands on some of these things.、Mm-hmm. Now these are very small items, and each item may sell for. 
several hundred dollars to a thousand or two thousand. So typically, it's not the major focus of a lot of、uh, technology、mm-hmm. transfer operations. But we're now working with an outside vendor, trying to actually aggregate all such so-called research tools. And by the way, another very common、uh, research tool will be software. Software tools. A lot of our researchers, including even、uh, social sciences,、uh, psychology, sociology, they do a lot of surveys. And when they do surveys, and when they design special statistical analysis、mm-hmm. tools, those tools are useful、mm-hmm. to other social scientists out there. So、um, we're,、um, our office is currently working with、uh, two different groups.、Uh, they each have some, you know, small software tools. Uh, that may be useful to others, and let's also not forget one very important thing. Other than generating a lot of money、uh, to come back into the system, that's certainly nice. But there is a fundamental mission of the major university that is to just disseminate the information, the knowledge that you have built up. So one、examples. of the things I do want to explore with you is where do you see spending most of your time,、uh, whether it be in. Hawaii with your researchers or elsewhere looking for the opportunity. Want to hold that thought? We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with David I and the Office of Technology Transfer. And this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors PCAT Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. Moyer Financial and Kaiser Permanente. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and I'm Ryan Ozawa. And if you're just joining us, we're talking to David I about the Hawaii Entrepreneurial Network Developers Program, as well as the opportunity that the UH has in terms of、uh, getting their intellectual property out into the hands of entrepreneurs. So, David, where would you see yourself spending a lot of your time? Is it is it uncovering all those hidden gems at UH? Or also for perhaps finding the opportunity that will take advantage of those little gems.、Um, it's probably a two-step process.、Uh, my initial month, I do intend to spend more time right here,、mm-hmm. uh, because in order for the inventors to understand this process, and also in order for them to feel comfortable with this process, you need to enhance the relationship. You need to simply be there. And、um, literally make house calls.、Uh, so,、uh, what I'm asking my staff to do right now is to make a list of the top 20 or so leading contributing groups of innovation at、uh, you know UH Manoa and a couple of other campuses,、mm-hmm. and we're just going to visit them、um, one by one,、mm-hmm. and thereby building the relationship. And also trying to find opportunities to make that kind of person-to-person connection, and after that is done, hopefully, when significant or in some cases not even major breakthrough, but interesting and useful uh, 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 technologies come through, they will remember. Ah, well, let's send an email to.、Mm. The Office of Technology uh, uh, Transfer and you know, see what happens. And, and we've、yeah. kind of teased the idea、yeah. of the Hawaii Entrepreneur Network developers. What exactly is that, and is that the、yeah. sort of the foundation upon which you will share all this information?、Uh, it's actually a very very low key event,、um, and it is a grassroots event. 
that we're hosting uh, once a month mm-hmm. to invite uh, UH-related stakeholders of innovation and entrepreneurship space to just come and share um, what they're working on and what they plan to do, to be doing so that there is a much broader awareness of what is going on in a collective sense. Well, so this is a monthly event. Is there going to be like a theme or a key or a featured presenter each month, or is it just open? It's completely open. Uh, each month, we literally will go through the room with all the participants. Each one would be saying a few words about what they're currently working on and do they need anything from the rest of the group? Mm-hmm. Uh, they need resources, they need connections, they need uh, introductions, or they need tips, or they need to know how to avoid scheduling conflict, um, or other ways to try to collaborate so they can uh, uh, avoid duplicated investments. How, so, oh, go ahead. Well, in a previous incarnation of the, the Office of Technology Transfer, there was also the added uh, I guess, description of economic development. So it used to be called OTED, and now it has evolved to just be Office of Technology Transfer. And back when it was OTED, they used to have at least quarterly these kinds of gatherings where they would feature some of the key research that was happening and encourage maybe the interaction between startups and entrepreneurs and the community with those researchers. Do you envision the high end to be something similar to that? A little bit different. Uh, I think our high end in itself is actually just trying to make sure that we maintain and encourage a very strong fabric. Uh, Within the university. Within the university ecosystem. Mm -hmm. However, uh, the kind of uh, connections would need to happen on their own, separately. Um, And uh, that's where we we need to uh, consistently introduce outside. You mentioned uh, uh, earlier uh, the second step uh, once we have uh, visited most of the groups, once most of the dean, so far I think I have met every single dean uh, on campus at uh, Manoa campus, and uh, really wonderful meetings. Uh, just uh, there's there's no replacement uh, for face to face meeting and oh, yeah. talking about things uh, on their mind and uh, uh, things important to them. But uh, the second step is then how do we actually introduce our technologies to the outside users. Mm -hmm. Well, Hawaii, just like Hong Kong, is in the middle of, well, not exactly nowhere. (laughs) Um, Hong Kong is actually better connected to a mass, to a land mass, and Hawaii is really in the middle of the ocean. So how do you really get out there? Well, you have to leverage a lot of existing marketing channel. Mm -hmm. Uh, For for example, we are currently working on the relationship uh, to get uh, outside companies support for us to not only do passive marketing, which is what I would say 80 to 90% of all universities do already, which is you know put your technologies available online, on the web, uh, and allow other people to casually discover mm. your technologies. That's tough. Uh, because your visiting volume is just not there. So in the in the last sort of 30 seconds, maybe yeah. 15 seconds, can you tell us how would you measure your success? Um, two things. One is excellence. So things that we do, the organization, the procedures, I don't want to see major holes in them. Okay. Uh, but, however, the second one is excitement. 
So there needs to be an excitement in our community over innovation and entrepreneurship. Where can people find out more information about uh, your your uh, Office of Technology Transfer? An uh, easy way is just uh, type in uh, search keywords in Google. I just tried it. If you just type in uh, UH uh, Tech Transfer, uh, I think third one down okay. is ours. <laughs> we'll definitely put that up on our show notes. David I is the Chief Innovation Officer at the University of, Hawaii, University of Hawaii's Office of Technology Transfer. I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. While Bert's in Chicago next week, you can join me when I'll talk about the Culinary Innovation Center. And of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. If you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at BiteMarks. And please follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app. And you stay safe, and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.